I'm sure that she developed language skills just like any other baby. Likely by two months old, she realized she had a voice. She began to communicate more and more with a realization of how and when to do so. First came vowel sounds, da, da, da. And then the mimicking sounds, ooh, coos, ahs, maybe even some growls every now and then. Before long, she learned to laugh and scream, and that's when things got really cute or really annoying, depending on the situation, because you know it takes a lot of practice to figure out volume and tone. While she still lacked mobility and other means of personal agency, she did have a voice. What a difference it makes to have a voice. Before long, she said small words and pretty soon simple sentences. By the age of six, she probably knew hundreds of words and was learning more words every day. Of course, she also learned the rules of communication. Now, I'm not talking about grammar, no. I'm talking about the words that made people happy or the words that made people mad or sad about how when she talked too loudly in the market with mother, mother would scold her, or how sometimes being quiet was the only way to keep the peace. Almost as quickly as she learned she had a voice, she learned the social cues for when and how to use it. Unfortunately for her and for girls and women in her economic setting, that meant she needed to keep her mouth shut, especially in public. First, her dad would speak for her, and eventually her husband. But when they were gone, and they were gone now, social rules left her voiceless in all public arenas. Her lack of voice should not have been a problem. The laws of her religion made sure that widows like her, along with orphans, the poor, and the resident aliens, would be treated generously and protected from exploitation. But we know that rules only work if you follow them. She tried to stay silent and trust the system to help her out, but when it failed, and continued to fail, when her vulnerable situation left her as prey to the unjust people in her city, to the greedy, what was she to do? She had to find her voice again, and she had to fight for justice that was due her. If she did not, who would? It's no wonder that Jesus often looked to widows as examples. Examples of faithful living and faithful giving. Examples to challenge us to seek justice and redemption. In the Gospel of Luke alone, widow characters appear in five places in narratives and parables. Like the lame and poor, Jesus seems to value widows when their society did not. In today's text, a parable, an unnamed widow persistently seeks the justice she deserves. The text creates a little bit of confusion, though. The introduction states what we should learn, to pray and not lose heart. 
Okay, but the parable itself never mentions prayer. Surely the lesson that we're supposed to learn about prayer should come from this widow. But the reluctant judge dominates the parable and the explanation afterwards. And lastly, the text ends with a question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Well, now that's a really great question, isn't it? But what in the world does that have to do with prayer that we're supposed to be learning about? Why tweak the subject? Not unlike other parables, this one leaves us kind of shaking our heads. Jesus liked to use parables. These short stories could pack a punch as they communicated crucial lessons about the kingdom of God. Like most parables, this one does not lend itself to a simple interpretation, especially not one that has a one-to-one relationship with the characters. You know the interpretation I'm talking about, right? Where we should identify with the hero in the story, and God should be associated with the authority figure, and so on and so forth. Certainly, there are Christians in our world who could easily identify with this widow and her experience of injustice. But most of us live on the favored side of justice, benefiting far more often than not. Most of us cannot identify with this widow's constant vulnerability in her society, with her knowledge that few, if any, cared about her well-being. And the judge, the authority figure in this parable, He flat out admits that he does not care or fear God or people. Should we interpret this as being godlike? No, definitely not. And the interpretation makes that very clear. This judge is not to be associated with God. How should we understand this somewhat confusing parable that resists easy interpretation? Well, for starters, we need to understand it within the book of Luke and to realize that at this point in Jesus' ministry, Jesus has set his focus and his path toward Jerusalem. He knows his death is coming soon. He knows that he has very few opportunities left to teach the disciples and his followers, to teach them lessons about faithfulness. And so he takes every opportunity to do so. Chapter 17 ends with a series of sayings about the coming of the kingdom of God. And these sayings allude to its suddenness and to our need to be ready for when it comes. Chapter 18 offers several unexpected examples of people exercising great faith. This persistent widow, a humble tax collector, Children who seek God, a blind beggar, while others, like the rich young ruler, falter. In the midst of it all, Jesus again tells the disciples of his coming death, and they do not understand. It's also helpful for us to remember that Luke wrote to an early Christian audience of Jews and Gentiles, many of whom could have easily identified with the widow. His audience lived in great expectation of Jesus' return and needed encouragement to remain faithful when that return was delayed. They needed to know what to do in the meantime, what to seek, what to fight for, and where to look for help 
and hope. And before reaching any conclusions about this parable, we need to read it very carefully. Rather than simply focusing on the introduction at the beginning or the question at the end, we should look first at the parable itself and Jesus' statements about it. The root word used repeatedly in this parable has to do with justice. The widow seeks it. The judge reluctantly grants it and is later declared unjust. And in contrast, God grants just reliably, justice reliably and without delay. When we make this parable solely about prayer or faith, we miss the importance of justice. And when we miss the importance of justice, we will misunderstand prayer and faith. In this fuller context, we can look at the characters with fresh eyes. First, we meet the judge, described as neither fearing God nor respecting people. Nothing about this description flatters him. So we are not shocked in the parable when he refuses to grant justice at first. And the audience of Jesus would not have been shocked either. We find him utterly disappointing. This man who had the position and the privilege to grant justice refuses to do it. Remember the Old Testament poets and prophets and how they regularly rail against the foolish who don't fear God and against the people who refuse to give justice? Well, this judge is a good example of what they're talking about. And yet, somehow, this man is able to grant justice in the end, despite himself, it seems. What motivates him to act? The widow's nagging is part of it, yes, but it's not the whole story. A more literal translation of this text says... Because the widow causes trouble for me, I will give her justice so that she may not, in the end, give me a black eye for her coming. It says, so that she won't give me a black eye. I can see it now. This small widow with her boxing gloves on, fighting the arrogant judge, fighting the system with all her might. Why does he give in? He gives in because he wants to avoid any visible sign that he lacks justice. It's his reputation, really, that motivates him. He doesn't want the community to know what he's doing. But because she is coming in public regularly, they're likely to find out that he's not really a very good judge. And so... He grants her request. The parable gives a lot more information about the judge than the widow. We know nothing specific about her character. The text does not declare her godly or respectful. We know she's persistent, in fact, downright pesky, and that she seeks justice. Like Tamar, 
Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament, this widow must stand up for herself in the absence of men to make her case for her through the proper channels. She has to use what's available to her. And for her, that is her voice and her persistence. And despite evidence that it's not going to work, she keeps at it, publicly seeking justice from this judge. Two characters, four verses. That's it for the parable itself. But then Jesus adds a bit of interpretation, as he is like to do, about how God fits into all of this. Both the judge and God can grant justice. But God's response to injustice differs greatly. God, who created rightness and assures justice fully, will grant justice to God's people when they cry out. God has a history of such action. The Old Testament is filled, filled with stories about people crying out to God and God acting on their behalf. Psalm 121, which we heard just a few moments ago, beautifully describes God's attentiveness to those who seek God. As our keeper, we know that God hears our cries and God will respond. These three, the judge, the widow, and God, all interact with justice in this text. What might we learn from them, especially as it relates to prayer and faithfulness, which are still important parts of the text? From the widow, we learn to seek justice persistently. For her, that meant working outside the norms of society. It meant finding her voice and using it over and over and over again. It meant not being nice but instead pestering a judge whose social and economic standing far outstripped her own. This was a dangerous act on, for her to do. We learn from her that when we pray, our prayers should focus on issues of justice, not on getting what we want by badgering God until God finally gives in. We learn that prayer takes more than words. Prayer takes actions, too. Joining with God in the fight for justice is action. Likewise, faithfulness has much to do with our willingness to persist in fighting for justice, even when evidence suggests that our actions accomplish little. From Jesus' words about God, we learn that God cares greatly about justice, and so should we. God responds to injustice quickly, and so should we. Unfortunately, like the widow and Luke's original audience, many times we look around at the world we live in, and we see little evidence that God is concerned we would not be the first to think such things. The psalmist raises the point many times. Job wonders if God cares. And even Jesus feels forsaken on the cross. Is God like the reluctant judge after all? 
No. No. Scripture overwhelmingly testifies not only to God's attentiveness to justice, but also to God's concern for the vulnerable. I wonder then if the lack of justice we witness happens not because God is like the unjust judge, but because we are. Because we, in our places of privilege and power, can't be bothered to join with God to seek justice. If you read this parable like I did, you didn't even consider the ways you might be like this unjust judge. We know by now how to pick the right character in a parable, don't we? Of course I'm like the good Samaritan helping the stranger, or like the humble tax collector, or like the servant who invests wisely. Of course I'm like them. Except I'm not. Just like I'm not like this widow. I don't seek justice persistently. I may not even seek it occasionally. In these moments, I... I fail to fear God and respect other people. Often it takes something drastic for me to act, for me to use my voice and my position on behalf of other people, for me to stop being so nice. Now, of course, I don't regularly seek out ways to do unjust things. No, I don't do that. And for that, I pat myself on the back and congratulate myself and move on. This parable challenges our complacency. We may not be experiencing great injustice, but many in our community do every day. They regularly cry out for our help. And like the unjust judge, we do nothing. And let us not limit justice to people. Our earth needs justice too. It may not be crying out with actual words, but make no mistake, it's groaning. Are we listening? What will it take to get our attention? A threat to our reputation? A threat to God's reputation? Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. After exploring this parable, for what will you pray? Maybe you are experiencing injustice like this widow. Perhaps you might pray for the persistence and endurance that you need to keep going. And you might also pray for us around you, that we might recognize your experience and fight with you rather than ignore your needs. And for those of us on the favored side of justice, perhaps we might pray for open eyes and disturbed hearts, that we might be willing to hear the pleas for justice and do something, and keep doing something. Let all of us not lose heart. Hear this good news. God sent Jesus to offer redemption and reconciliation 
to usher in the kingdom of God where justice will be complete. We serve that God, the God of justice, and God invites us to join in the kingdom, to join in the efforts. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I know he will, actually. He will. I'm quite confident. He will find it among the widows, the poor, the marginalized, among those who seek justice. The question is, will he find it among us? 